Got Your Back Podstream is brought to you by Kinprint. For all your company's promotional needs, they do it all. Apparel, promotional products using the highest quality brands. They do logo design, signage, and printing. Kinprint will promote your brand with excellence. Visit kinprint.ca. All right, the count is now at six consecutive games. The Oilers in the middle of another significant streak. And boy, are they digging out in a big way. Welcome to Got Your Back, post-game live stream edition. Jason Strudwick standing by. Rob Brown's going to hop on the telephone for his ride home. He'll join us in 10 minutes or so. And we're going to break this whole thing down. Got a great podcast in store for you tonight. Thanks for joining us. As always, it's brought to you by Sherwood Buick GMC. They want to thank you for your continued support throughout 2023 and into 24. Because of you, they they were, again, the number one GMC volume, volume dealership in Canada. They'd like to wish everybody a very happy new year. Visit Phil and the crew in Sherwood Park or online at www.gmcpod.com for any and all of your vehicle needs. Just off Baseline Road. On the way into Sherwood Park, we are coming to you from the Long Shot Studio here in Sherwood Park. You know they have Sherwood Park's cheapest 20-ounce pint. They're the place to go. If you can't get to the game, get to Long Shots. Play a little golf, watch a little hockey. Your two passions and some great food all in one place. Well, Struddy, how you doing, my man? Um, I'm feeling good. Thanks for asking. Uh, yeah, you know, it's, it's nice to watch uh, this team when they're winning and they're rolling and playing well and uh, compared to what we had to, to start the first four weeks of the year. Man, it's so different. It's so different. Oh. It got so intense and so crazy that first month, and rightfully so, right? This team was supposed to be a wagon again this year, and they were not, and now they've come back around. So you put an eight-game streak together and a six-game streak together, and uh, they've really got themselves right back in great spot. I think they're a point out of a playoff spot as of the time we're taping here right now. So it's been it's been pretty impressive. I'm more meant how you do. Have you gotten over your fantasy football wins or are you still strutting around with your chest puffed out and telling anyone that'll listen? How many people have you told? No BS. Uh, how many people? Probably like, well, my, my family. So that's four. My dog is five, four and a half, I guess. She's small. How'd, you, how'd the dog take it? Oh, she was thrilled because she knows how much time I put into it. No, you know what? At some point, you just have to let your your stats speak for themselves. You don't, you know, you get to, you know, like Connor McDavid, six hundred games, nine hundred and three points. You don't need to tell people. The stats are screaming: two championships in one year for fantasy football and another final. Not bad, not bad for an amateur guy. Pretty darn good, bud. Um, before, before we get to our breakdown, we're going to deal with something here quickly on the podcast because we have lots of regular contributors on the stream and we love them all. Thank you so much. We have some regulars. So K Gill is a regular on the stream and he's always, always got lots of good comments and chimes in a lot. K Gill got a little aggressive on Twitter, right? We're not going to show it. We're not going to talk too much about it. Got a little aggressive on Twitter. I reached out to him and he was like, man, yeah, you're totally right. So just right now on the stream, on the Weiss Johnson stream, 
He apologized to every to everybody for his tweet. <laughs> Just wanted to say to you, Brownie, Shogger, Struddy, and Zuby, I apologize on on Twitter earlier. I love you guys and this podcast. Best in the nation. Wow, now he's making us best in the wow. nation. That's so listen, Twitter's not Struds. You know that. And people can get a little out of hand. But Kagil, we forgive you, and we're glad to still have you on board. It happens. You know, everyone, ha- we've all had the moments on Twitter <laughs> that we'd like to have back. That one tweet. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, he's standing by it. And, or not standing by he's, he's apologizing for it. And I, and I, I hear what he's saying. Have you, uh, have you had to apologize on Twitter before? How's your record? I have once. Well, and, and it was it was a sort of apology, yeah. but I have once. You? Uh, I don't remember. No, I don't. I I remember being pretty direct with people, and but uh, I don't think and nothing like it was nothing earth shattering, right? It was more defend. Most of the time, you're defending. I find I'm defending myself, is yeah. what I'm doing. Yeah, I had to apologize because of a harsh tweet I sent at Al Montoya, which which fans are uh, still yeah. rem- <laughs> which I, I didn't send it at him. Just some commentary about it. But uh, that was when you get the call from the boss and they're like, yeah, you're going to need to walk that one back there, bud. And in the moment, you're all scrappy. You're like, what? Why? And journalism and blah, blah, blah. And then it's like, yeah, you're probably right. Perspective, right? Perspective that we gain. Uh, Okay. Great game tonight. Connor McDavid, sensational. Signature performance from him. So let's not waste any more time. Let's get to our breakdown. Brought to you by Adrenaline Diesel. They specialize in heavy-duty truck and trailer repair, performance tuning parts, and sales. Adrenaline Diesel has seven gigantic bays, and there's nothing they can't figure out for you. Marty and his crew have very high standards. They will leave your truck in great shape like it's right out of the factory. Go to AdrenalineDiesel.ca. Of all of the things, Struds, of all of the things that McDavid did tonight, and there were many, which one impressed you the most? Oh, geez. Um, so I think the like, candidates, right? You got the I, walk through them. You got the well, the pass. Yeah, well, the the pass, the pass from Hyman, um, the pass to uh, Nugent Hopkins is a pretty good one. I think the two on two goal, and that's what I'm going to go with. I'm going to go with the two on two goal, and I, I think you know if you didn't see it, it was a, it was a, a kind of a late developing two on two. And what I love about it was Connor or not Connor Brown, uh, Hyman cuts in front of the D men and just pushes them back a little bit. And yeah. then Sandheim kind of gets spun around, not sure what to do. Right. Uh, and Connor shoots it, what I think was kind of like a high five hole. And it gets by Carter Hart. I, I really like that that play because it was it was nothing. It was a two on two, and he turned it into a breakaway. <laughs> yeah, that was pretty impressive. Uh, the podcast just got loud. Brownie, is that you, buddy? Are you are you safely in the car? I am here. I was hey. just listening to that spot-on analysis from my friend Strud. Once again, you're on your game tonight, Strud. What the really, hell I'm on? not. There's been one yeah. night I mailed it, and I said three great jokes, and I was out. So uh, <laughs> You tonight. really only had two. We gave you a softie for your third one. but. Three years of podcasting, Struds. One really bad night. I'd say your record is pretty good. Brownie, I just asked Struds the question of all the things that, uh, of all the things that McDavid did tonight, what impressed you the most? Which singular action was the most impressive? Ooh, that's a a tough one. I I was quite impressed with the the pass to Hyman on the goal. Uh, He just put it in the perfect spot. Uh, allowed Hyman to walk into it. 
Uh, you can always tell when Connor does something that he knows was good because all of a sudden the celebration and the smile is a little bit bigger. Yeah. And on that one, you could see that he was a little excited by it. So to me, that was a big one. Although the pass he made to dry for the one-timer, again, you're passing a puck through four sets of sticks and you're putting it exactly <laughs> where Leon needs it. Uh, it was a good night by Connor McDavid. Signature night, 10th five-point night of his career, which is that's a head shaker right there. Um, but just a signature night. He crosses the 900-point barrier. Uh, just just really impressive. And he, you know what, guys? He hasn't had as many of those signature nights this season, though, has he? They've been a little bit fewer and farther between. He's been very good, and he's been a big part of this team digging out struds, but fewer of these moments and these nights so far this year. Yeah, there have. I mean, when you're not putting up the crazy amount of points he did, compared to last year, I, I think that's that's what's going to happen. But I want to go back to the goal that Brownie talked about, just from a defensive point of view. You know, I had a buddy text me like, why don't they just take away that pass? Because if you commit to taking away that pass, he just skates right around you and shoots on the goalie. Like, it's not that easy. You're, you're, he, he's so fast. You're trying to figure out what's he going to do. So you cut him off at the pass so he can't, he can't drive you wide. And as soon as you cut him off at the pass, he makes the pass now to Leon and you're done. So it has to be more the guys away from the primary defender. They're the ones that kind of have to try to take that pass away. Um, but it happens so quickly. Uh, it, and, and that's the genius that Connor McDavid is. I think that when you are constantly moving and you can see he got that puck, he skated as hard as he could. Everyone's trying to react to in, in real time, trying to figure out where he's going. And he's like, okay, if they, if they give me this, I'll do that. If they give me that, I'll do this. And it just happens so quick. It's hard to stop. And I, as a defender, so I, I would hate to be out there against them. I'd love to try it once just to see what it feels like, but I've been beat by slower players. And, uh, you know, I know it's, it's brutal, but it's, it's, that's the hard part of defending him when he is moving and skating, like at his top brownies, just so hard to, to, to slow him down. Well, it's funny. So I, I sit in the press box to watch the games, which when you're up there, everything is slowed down. You could tell what's going to happen. So on the play where he set up Leon Dreisaitl, you knew that was coming. And we know it's coming up in the press box. The Philadelphia Flyers have pre-scouted. They know Connor's doing it too. So what Connor does on the ice that's so special is every player on the ice knows what he's going to do, yet they still can't stop it. And as you said, Strutz, he's, he's using his speed. Everything is going so fast. So the defenseman, when Connor starts skating, the only thought, and I'm guessing, I never played defense, but the only thought I'm thinking is in that defenseman is, okay, do not let him beat me. So now your whole focus is not letting him beat you because he's so fast. And as soon as you do that, focus on that, that's when he throws it back door. Now I'm going to throw a question to both you two guys. Connor tonight scored his, well, he had five points, but he's at 903 points. Is a 1,000 points this season out of the question the way he's playing right now? What's he? What's he at on the year? I gotta take a look. I think. I think he's at forty-five, forty-eight. I don't. I have no idea what he's at right now. I mean, asking us. How many to games they got left? Something's not possible. Seems. Uh... <laughs> Do they have fifty points? No, they have fifty. How many games they have left? Oh, uh, well, I didn't have that stats page up, and I want to get it right. So just give me a second here. Yeah, uh, they, they I'm guessing they 30... probably have about forty-eight games. Yeah, they so played 35 played, games. He's played so 33, though, right? Or they have 47 games, which... So, I mean, you never want to limit what 
Connor McDavid's capable of doing. But I just saw what they're announcing tonight. That was his 900th point. Then he got up to 903. Then I'm thinking, hmm, that's 97 points, which is his number, away from 1,000 points in his career. Is it completely out of the possibility of him being able to do that? I mean, when all of a sudden we get late in the season, now he's only he's got 30 points he needs in the last 12 games. Does he maybe pump it up a little bit to try and get that thousandth point? I just don't think there's any way you can say Connor's not capable of doing something because then he just goes out and proves you wrong. I'm trying to do math on the fly. Yeah, so I'm it's so bad at this. It's Honestly, about, I am it, so bad at math. It's a little bit fly. more than two points a game is what he needs, right? So just like a, like a hair better than two points a game. So you're asking me, can he average two points a game for the next 47 games? Probably not. I would, I would say, but probably it's only not. a problem. It's only a, it's only a probably, though, is it? There's no, <laughs> you're not going to say for you. sure, no. Yeah, no, it's, <laughs> yeah, it's interesting. It'd that, be fun to watch. It would. That'd be crazy. That'd be absolutely crazy. And and but to get that many points that quickly in in today, and that's what I thought was interesting after the game when some of the guys were asked about it. You know, I think Zach Hyman said for him to be doing it in this era. And to be compared to Bossy and Gretzky and Stashny and uh, who's the other guy? Lemieux must have been Lemieux. The other guys, those four guys, uh, like that is just crazy. Stashny, Bossy, Lemieux, Gretz. Yeah, is that what you yeah, said? Yeah, to think those four guys are the guys that he's, you know, and 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 with all due respect to that era, it was a little bit looser defense defensively, um, and those guys to put that up and so, Brownie, you know what? I I would say. I would give it a percentage that there is a chance. I wouldn't say 50-50. I might go 25%, 20%. But you're right. When he gets down close to the end, he might say, you know what, guys? Let's do this. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and tear this league apart. So, Brownie, you said something a minute or two ago about how the you know that Tortorella has pre-scouted. Well, I was down at the rink today for John Tortorella's media availability. Did you hear any of that, Brownie? Struds, did either of you guys hear I Tortorella hear pregame today? I heard part of it where he said that he didn't even remember the last time these two played. And not only that, but I was I was talking to Travis Konechny, and he said, we don't do video on the opposition. Like, we don't – we focus on the way we play, so we don't do video. And I said, is that odd? Is that yeah. different? And he said, yeah, it's different, but we're just really focused on the way we play. So he said and, – and it and Tortorella had said the same thing in his media availability that there wasn't specific video done on, on McDavid and company because the question was about the right way to try and defend those guys when they're playing this well. And he said, yeah, we don't – you know, they're good players. We play against lots of good players, and we, you know, we don't really do specific video. Um, seemed odd to me. I wonder if maybe a, a little <laughs> bit more pre-scout video work on 97 uh, might have paid off because they got absolutely torched by the guy. Yeah, but I would say this. Well, I'll say this. I, I hear what you're saying is you're 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 trying to get your team playing a certain way, right? And and I think that that's the biggest thing is he's trying to get his team to worry about them. If we play right, we're going to be hard to play against and all that stuff. And on the flip side of that, in reality, you know that play that Connor makes to Leon that doesn't happen. Correct me if I'm wrong. Mostly on the power play. So in that moment, you're not really thinking about. It. I know that uh, there's a delayed penalty and all that, but a lot of times. You know, and now I might, I'm not Nick Lidstrom or I'm not whoever, uh, you know, a Alex Petrangelo, but you know, you don't recognize your, your drowning until you've drowned and that, that play has been made, right? Like, it's like, oh my God, this looks familiar. Oh, there it is. Bang. And it's in the back of your net. So I don't know. I, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't criticize, uh, Shredderell too much for that. Oh, I, you know what? I disagree though. I, you're playing the two best players in the world. 
I think you've got to somehow level the playing field a little bit by seeing what their tendencies are. I mean, they're they're going to have their chances because they're the two best players in the world. But you know what? We're from the Eastern Conference. We don't see them as often. Let's watch a little video of things that they do often and that they're really good at so that maybe we can get a stick in that lane. So I understand wanting to play your own game, and that's great. But if you want to have success against great players, know what they're going to do. Know what their power play does. Know what Connor's tendency is on these situations. Because in this game tonight, the Philadelphia Flyers played a high-event game with a team that was going to destroy them in a high-event game. Carter Hart kept this game close. They're not going to win high-event playing against the Edmonton Oilers. Yeah, he made some great saves. I kind of questioned it when Tortorella said it in the scrum, but it was when Konechny basically said the same thing where I went, oh, okay, that, that might not just be Tortorella doing Tortorella media. So it just struck me as a little bit odd. And just even just a weird thing to say, oh, we don't do video. on Then uh, the guy lights you up for five points. Uh, by the way, some people were asking. He d- Go ahead, Struts. I'd be blown away if they didn't look at power, power play video. Yeah, I, you think I, they have to. I'd call BS on that. I'm telling you, I, I never played on a team that didn't look at other teams' power play. Um, by the way, some were asking, was it my microphone that John Tortorella grabbed today? Uh, the answer to that is yes. That was my microphone that he grabbed today in the scrum. He was, Maddie was all over him today. Maddie was just peppering Tortorella with questions and he wanted no part of him. You know, God love Maddie. He was just like, what do you like best about coaching? <laughs> Tortorella's just oh, not having it, right? It's being in the room, you know, this kind of thing. And uh, and then he was asked about the media, and he talked about how much he just couldn't stand doing this stuff. And my mic wasn't in his face. It was, like, down where you can see this microphone. But he bumped it with his hand right as he was talking about how much he didn't like the media. And then he's like, when I got stuff like this in my face. And he actually took the mic and, like, moved it away like that right in the middle of the scrum. So he was in fine, grumpy form this morning. But I've never loved his act with the media. I find it, I don't know. It's still a human-to-human interaction, and he talks to people like they're just mud on the bottom of his shoe struts. Am I too sensitive? Ah, uh, yeah. No, I. I mean that's that's your that's your area, right? That's. I, I think mm. there has to, everyone has a job to do, right? I, I think that uh, the, the 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 I've always felt that the message a player or a coach gives to the media, and then the way you do it, it it helps. And I do believe, and Shaw, you tell me if I'm wrong. If you establish a relationship with the media that is um, at least some way cordial, when things go badly, they're not going to jump on you as hard. I, I truly feel that. And you may disagree, but I've seen it with Todd Bertuzzi. When we were in Vancouver, he was a great player. And he would treat the media like he shouldn't. It was not well handled. He was very abrasive mm-hmm. with them. And then when that happened with Moore, the, every single media person who had ever been in the dressing room with him they all turned on him as hard as they could, and uh, it was brutal. I thought, it, you know, you got to have a relationship. I'm not saying that he would have been handled. It, you know, the, the, it, it was what it was, that incident, and whether however you believe what happened. But I believe that it made it worse than it was because of his relationship with the media. Brownie, what the do you think one. of that? Uh, well, I, I agree. It's like well, I teach, uh, I do coach mentoring in St. Albert, and one of the things I like to tell the coaches is make friends with the families get to know the families because if things go wrong in a game, they're not going to be up there yapping about you in the stands because you've made a friendship with them. They know you as a person now. So yeah, I, I, 
normally made friends with most of the media. Now there's some media that just like any walk of life that you don't want to spend any time with. And you, you, I can see how there's certain media you give short answers to. But to me as a player, if you treated me fairly, I'll be your friend. I, some of them, I had really good relationships in Pittsburgh with a Dave Molinari and a Tom McMillan. Mm-hmm. And they're always fair to me. And you can, I, I, no player ever minds when you're honest about them. But they all, they don't want it personal. But when they get, when it gets too personal or when it's all negative, all attack, well then as a player, well, you're not getting any quotes from me anymore. But yeah, I, I think that if you have a relationship with, a, with the media, it, I do believe the same as it's when things go sour, they'll be honest, but they won't be cutthroat. Michael Bruni says there is a people aspect to every business. Relationships matter. Strutty is 100% right about media and players slash coaches. What I would say is that media are human and much, you know, like the rest of walk of life, you know, when you get nothing but negativity from someone and negative energy from somebody, when things aren't going well for them, your level of empathy naturally is going to be in a different place or you're, you know, and you try and be professional. Like I, I, you try and be professional and just do your job and call it as you see it, but you're a human, right? So if it's someone who's never given you anything but grief, you throw in the extra little adjective here or there. Do you lean into it a little bit heavier? Of course you do. You're a human being, right? So there's definitely something to it. And uh, yeah, I think that's a good instinct. Let, Let me give you an example. The media, they were around when I played for the Oilers with Pat Quinn. They still talk about Pat Quinn uh, in a way that is very loving. And, you know, I felt when I was playing for the team and he was the coach that Pat Quinn wasn't wearing much of what was going on. It was the players and the management that were taking most of the abuse. Now, Pat's <laughs> passed away and I don't want to, you know, tap dance on him, but I, I do feel that there are members of the media who are there then still talk about him like he was an elite coach. And I'll just leave it there. I'm not one of them, am I, Struds? Because I covered you while you were on the team. Yeah, no. But it, it was, I believe it was, because Pat was amazing with the media and the fans. They loved him. They loved, and I get it. I got it. But I was in there every day. I was being coached every day. Nick says, Ryan, which Euler, oh, sorry, Struds, were you done? No, I, oh yeah, I'm done. All right, <laughs> you're done with that. Uh, Nick says Ryan, which other player or coach has jumped out to you over your time with being really good to deal with? Honestly, most of them have been pretty good. Like Todd McClellan was good, Tip was decent, uh, Mac T. Honestly, they, they've all been pretty good. I haven't had much in the way of issues, but it is interesting how different they are, coach to coach. Don't know how we got on this tangent. Let's wrap up the uh, breakdown. And Brownie, you're going to hang around for one more segment. Lots more to break down from this game. And we're going to hear some player sound. Before we wrap up those struds, let's get to our You Can You Services Relentless Player of the Game. Once again, well, welcoming You Can to the podcast. Thrilled to join forces with such a great local charity. They rely on the support of the community for things like rent, food, work, clothes, and bus passes to help get at-risk youth into the workforce to give them opportunities they might not otherwise have. UCAN is relentless in supporting youth find success and economic independence. Visit UCAN.ca. McDavid is the obvious choice, but we don't always go with the absolute obvious choice, Struds. Uh, which which direction are you going in with the relentless player of the game? I'm going with one player for one specific play. It was okay. the uh, Zach Hyman. He wins the puck battle on the wall. 
And I didn't think he was going to be able to on Nugent Hopkins' two-on-one goal. Feeds it perfectly onto McDavid's stick and gives delivers a two-on-one for Nugent and yep. uh, McDavid. That was elite work on the wall to get that puck back. So for that play alone, he rises to the top, does Hyman. Brownie, you approve of that one? Uh, fantastic. I mean, Zach Hyman, you could actually, if you guys give a trophy out, you could already write his name on it. <laughs> Nobody's more relentless than... And Zach Hyman. So, yes, I 100% approve on that one. All right, lots more to come on the podcast, including our takeaways segment. DC says, Rashog, didn't Akins take away your donuts on the first day he showed up? Yes, he did. And we were never okay again after that moment. So, Dallas Akins off that <laughs> list. I kid, I kid. Lots more to come on the podcast. Stay, stay with us. Say goodbye to unruly hair and hello to a smooth and silky back in minutes with Backscape. Shave your back solo with no mess with Backscape's water-resistant long handle and patented six-blade design, leaving you with a no-mess shaving experience all in less than five minutes. Shop now for 40% off select kits just for you, our Got Your Back listeners. Use promo code GYBPOD on checkouts and make 2024 your year to elevate your grooming routine. If you own or operate a business, you know the value of a great employee. Just ask Shogger. Pathfind is here to help you find your next star player to help take your business to the next level. Pathfind can help with recruitment, career transition, leadership coaching. They truly have your whole team covered. Building you a championship caliber roster, find your team's path forward at pathfind.ca. The Edmonton Sport and Social Club is YEG's top destination for adult recreational sports. Offering over 20 different options, including ball hockey, indoor volleyball, pickleball, and now ice hockey for all you fans out there looking to lace them up for the first time or get back into the game after a few years off, like Struddy. Sign up by December 13th for the winter season beginning mid-January at edmontonsportsclub.com. All right, time now for takeaways brought to you by Martin Motorsports, your one-stop marine and recreation shop in business for close to 60 years and stocked up with the best brands in the world, Can-Am, Skidoo, Widescape, Zero, to industry leaders like Supra, Moomba, Crestliner, South Bay, and more. They will help you live your life at full throttle. Visit martinmotorsports.ca. Want to get to some player sound. Uh, so the Oilers have put together streaks of eight games and then another six games. And they're really doing a great job of digging themselves out as we get to the Weiss Johnson sound box. Guys, let's hear from Zach Hyman. Just about the, the way this team is streaking these days. Yeah, uh, I try not to look at the, the stats. I, I think the only one I saw, was, which was I kind of got a chuckle at, was the one uh, where it kind of showed since I've been here, a record at Christmas has kind of been the same, even though each season's felt drastically different. So, um, but yeah, I try not to look at the standings. We're not even at the halfway mark. I think for us, it's just laying the foundation um, to be able to go and, and win every night. And, and we do that. You know, we've had a lot of experience in the playoffs. We know what it takes to get there, and, and now we know what it takes to, to win, right, to win games. And it, it starts every day now and building that sense of belief and trust and foundation of your game. So, um, obviously, very happy that it's coming to fruition here. Brownie, it's so different. 
And it's really amazing that a team that can be this good and was so good at the end of last season can fall so far. I don't recall seeing such a dramatic drop-off like that. And then they've just turned it around and earned most of it back. It's bizarre, is it not? It's, I think it is bizarre, but I don't think it's surprising the way they're playing now because right now they're playing how you expected them to be. Uh, this is how they played last year at the end of the season when they went on that incredible run. Uh, the the strange thing was well, how they started the season, but to me, this is this is the Oilers. I think the first 12 games was an aberration. Maybe some blue bug went through their dressing room or whatever it was. It wasn't the same team. Um, this is who the Oilers are. The Oilers are a team right now that on any given night, I don't care who the opponent is, I'm picking the Oilers to win. They're they're from top to bottom. They're, they got two really good lines. Their role players are playing well. Their defensemen are playing, making smart plays, and they're getting good goaltending. So I, I don't, I have no thought on how their season could have started like it did. But right now, this is a team that everyone expected, and they are playing as good as any team in the National Hockey League. Feels a lot different, though. You know what we expected, and we expected. Kane a big, big part of it. Connor Brown a big, big part of it. Yeah. And right now they aren't. It doesn't mean they won't be moving forward. Um, and to see kind of the, what the guys are doing, the you know Fogel and McLeod or what they've been doing lately, the goaltending looks a little different. The D is pretty much what we expected. You know, they're down a couple of top six forward struts from what was probably on the whiteboard at the start of the season, you know, with Kane's game being where it's at right now and, and with Connor Brown not having panned out in any way, shape, or form. So it isn't exactly like they've drawn it up on the whiteboard. What do we see here over the next month or so for Evander Kane, Struds? Do you, are you seeing signs that his place in the lineup is starting to seep through into frustration in his game and it's going the wrong way? Or do you think that he's staying on the right side of it and just doing the things that you do in this situation when you're being outplayed by other guys? Well, I think their line tonight was quite effective, right? Yeah. That line is actually, you know, it's doing well. Um, you know, the, the, the challenge, if this is what they're going to do for a little while, is for Knobloch to convince Evander Kane that this is good for the team, maybe not best for Evander Kane. Mm -hmm. That's a tough sell, right? That guy wants to be up there. He's not on the power play, not as much on the penalty kill as he was prior to this, and now you're on a third-line role, so your minutes are dropping down, and he just sees other guys being elevated. So it's difficult, uh, but the reality is the team's winning, and he isn't maybe putting the puck in there like some other guys, so... What's he going to say? You know what? You, you, it's it's a tough time to be you know quote unquote selfish brownie when pretty much everything the coach is doing is working. Yeah, you're 100 right. Although I thought Kane fought the puck tonight badly. I thought there was a number of times he tried to make plays that weren't there. He tried to force things, and to me, that's a guy that's lacking confidence in his game. I mean it. Evander Kane is a, a loud player, and there's no player on this team that when things are going right that plays with more swagger than he does. He's got no swagger in his game right now. Mm -hmm. uh, and and it would be frustrating. His expectation, my guess, before the season, he expected 40 goals. I, I would think he would think he's a 40-goal guy that if everything goes right, maybe I could score 50. I'm going to play with Connor. <clears throat> excuse me. I'm going to play with Leon. I'm going to be splitting the power play time with Hyman depending on if, if Timon's tired, and none of that's come true. And he look, does not look like the same player. 
that we have seen Evander Kane be. Now, for the Oilers to be a Stanley Cup winning team, they need Evander Kane like he's supposed to be. And right now, he's not seeing it. So to me, uh, I don't see the poor body language in the last couple games, but I do see a guy that's lacking confidence from where he's been in the past. Just checking this to make sure that I've got it right here. Vander Kane played the most five-on-five minutes of all the forwards on the team tonight. Played 16-11 at even strength from a third-line perch. So, you know, they're looking for opportunities to have him out there. Um, You know, it's not like that's a a lack of ice time. I mean, McDavid, uh, what did McDavid play 16-35 tonight in his five-point night? I thought there were two sides to his game tonight. I thought, I totally agree with you, Brownie. There were some bad plays early. Some hope passes and some, like, blind backhand stuff that he's got no business doing in his game. But I do think that, I think he notably fought through frustration tonight and actually added some physicality to his game and was able to figure out a way to to move it in the right direction and ended up, I would say the night was more positive than it was negative in terms of his, you know, his body language, the way he looked out there and his overall contribution. But it did not start Strud's in a great place for me with him. Yeah, that's fair. That's a fair comment. But, you know, there's ebbs and flows in everyone's year. Right, they're, they're, you know, it's every player on this team this year has had challenges, some really good things and some really, some really, you know, struggling times. So you know, we're at game thirty-five. So I think there's got to be patience with with him. And if there, you know, the people are maybe talking about a groin issue or something uh, with him, it, those things aren't easy playing on one leg. So I think you got to be patient with with every player because they come and go, ups and downs all year long. Connor Brown, Brownie. What do you do? You just keep chugging him out there like he's, you know, two games ago he was pretty good, but the, there's just nothing. It's just it's just wasteland. Well, in in, in coming in, in very shortly, Holloway is going to be healthy, and so is Sam Gagne. Holloway's going to get in the lineup. Knobloch's going to want to see what he's capable of doing, uh, and I think he's going to make whichever line he plays on better. I think he's going to be a great addition to this team, like picking someone up in a trade. They're playing as well as they are. Now they're going to get a little better. And here's a question to you guys. Sam Gagne or, or Connor Brown, who gives you more? And to me, before you guys answer, in the game so far this year, Sam Gagne did. Uh, so do you leave Brown in the lineup when Gagne comes back? Because you got Hamblin. Who gives you more, Hamblin or, or Connor Brown? Connor Brown has struggled. Uh, and... There's zero chance he's moving up anywhere in the lineup. If anything, uh, he's going to have to hold on to a fourth-line job with two guys coming back and being healthy. Uh, so, I, honestly, I, I'm shocked. I thought this was going to be a good addition. I thought he would be an upgrade over Kyler Yamamoto. And I know that Strudge is stress, stressing patience right now, but we're 37 games into the season, or 35 games into the season. And Connor Brown has not come close to what the expectations were for him. Yeah, really well said. And I, I am a guy who's advocating patience, but we're getting near the end of my my ability. But I think what it is is I I believe the Oilers need this player to produce. They need him to be more than what he's done now. I, I do think that he's shown some signs of life the last two three games. I, I like he's in offensive zone. He works hard. He gets the puck. He loves to feed the D man. As a former D-man, I love seeing him pass the puck to the D-man as much as he does. He may lead the team in passes from low to high in the offensive zone. He's always 
putting it up there. So I don't know. I just I I keep waiting. I, I'm wanting him to do it because I think if he can find his game and Holloway can find his game, now you got something. You know, you, you're, it's easy way. It's an easy solution to a problem that of your depth. Yeah, Connor Brown has put up some points in this league before, and I don't think that's gone. I mean, if if I just said to you at the start of before this whole thing started, it's going to take Connor Brown three months before he starts doing anything. You would look at it and you'd go, that feels a little long. Ah, but he did only play four games last year, basically missed an entire year. So yeah, that wouldn't be a comfortable timeline, but well, it's been a full season basically since he played. There's still some runway here for him to figure this out. I don't know if he's going to or not. Uh, what about the fact that he kills penalties? Uh, that was pointed out on the stream here. That uh, of all the guys that we just mentioned, Connor, this is from Michael Bruni, Connor Brown, PKs, Ganya Hamlin, don't. That'll keep him in the lineup. PK's been good since Knobloch has come in. He has a, a fairly significant part of that unit, Struds. It is, but he, they pulled him out prior, you know, before Christmas. So I think that, yeah. you know, there, there, there's only there's only so much you can do with that. Uh, but you know, when 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 everyone's healthy, let's assume they're all healthy. What what do the lines look like? Let's assume Kane continues to be on the third line. Um, do they put Yanmark in at center in the third line, and then put you know Kane or uh, Kane and Holloway, Holloway, Kane Holloway, yeah. and Yanmark, and then and then uh, yeah, you know I think Ernie's the odd man out, unfortunately. Yeah. Then you got a bunch of righties, right? Connor Brown, Gagne. And um, who am I missing? Well, how about and this? How about this one here? What What if all of a sudden Holloway comes back? Give him a couple games. You put Holloway with Leon and Fogel. You can bump McLeod back down to center to play between Kane and Yanmark, and then you can put Derek Ryan in your fourth line hole, and you can play him with yeah. whoever you want on that fourth line. Um, I think that Fogel. I like him on the right side with Leon. And if Holloway gives you the same kind of stuff that McLeod does, fast, speedy guy, who probably has a little bit better hands than McLeod, then you can move McLeod to your third-line center. Now, having said that, and I'm sure you two are probably going to agree, third-line center is something that the Oilers might be looking for as we get further into the season near the trade deadline. Somebody that they can have a lot of faith in. You look at these teams they're going to go through, Vegas and L.A., they are deep through the middle. And the Edmonton Oilers do not want to get caught with having a player that has to play center because they have no other choices. I think they prefer to upgrade in that position. Let's get back to the Weiss Johnson sound box. With 45 years in the business, should you need a new furnace, garage heater, air conditioner, hot water tank, or any of those things serviced, Weiss Johnson is the place to go. Give them a shout, 780-463-3096. Jingle. Resilience. Resilience. Boy, did they ever lack it earlier on this season. I asked Chris Knobloch a question about some in-game resilience tonight and maybe where it sits now compared to where it was before. Um, they're handling very well. Um, you know, I think early, it was a different situation when I came here. You look at the standings, losing, and there's a lot of frustration. And, you know, if we give up those two goals in the second period the way we did, I'm sure we wouldn't have handled it the same as we would have, um, you know, two months ago. But now it's, yeah, we made some mistakes. We can't do that again. Let's get back to work and play the right way. And it's it just they they become unfazed. So it's nice to see them very mature on the bench. 
The good teams can auto-correct, Brownie. Auto-correct in the moment without having to have a big speech, without having to have a timeout, without needing an intermission where someone peels the paint. Good teams auto-correct, and I thought the Oilers did that tonight. Well, they're, they're a good team and they're a confident team. Uh, we've heard in the past where they've interviewed players and they said, would you guys talk between periods? Well, we said, well, we knew we were fine. We, were gonna, we knew that we were still in this game and we are going to go out and have a much better period. And there's just that belief in the dressing room right now, and they should have it. <laughs> they're getting contributions up and down their lineup, and they're getting saves. So, uh, yeah, at the beginning of the season, one big mistake turned into a goal, then two big mistakes turned into two goals, and the bench would sag. It's no longer like that. If there's a, a mistake or if there's a goal against, the next line comes out and seems to, okay, let's fix it. So this team is as confident as it's ever been. And rightfully so, because they're playing as good as they've played in the last couple of years. Yeah, I like that. I, I think that early in the year, you know, how many times do we see a close game, the Oilers got a power play, and you're like, okay, this is where they they put, you know, this is where they they, they separate themselves. Oh, they didn't. Oh, they didn't. You know, and then all of a sudden tonight, they got that power play. We knew they were going to score. I think everyone knew they were going to score, right? And then they go into the third period, and they score again. But just – you can kind of feel that killer instinct. We're going to get this. We're going to put it over the top. And that's what they have done in the past and are now doing again. The Dr. Carpy with a different perspective on Kane says, to me, the Kane doom and gloom is weird. The guy has 14 goals. Until six games ago, he was ahead of Leon. At current, he's tied with McDavid. Definitely went on a great run, man. He went. He was on a goal-scoring tear. And then he changed his stick. And I'm not saying that's what's going on. Clearly, he's not playing healthy. That, I still scratch my head on that one, Brownie. Well, but the, the, someone t texted me not too long ago said that they he didn't change his stick. It just it was the color change because it's a new, it's the type of stick it is. They just came out in a different color. Now I have no idea. I personally I, I use one stick for one blade for half my career, and then I switch and use another blade the other half. I only had two sticks my entire career, so I don't know. I know there's a lot of doom and gloom just because Kane's not getting the ice time that he was getting and he's made a couple of comments and the simple fact he's on the third line. This is not, he's not playing with the swagger that he's had before and he's not getting the opportunities. Uh, there was a stretch where he was their best player, eight games. He was their best player, better than Connor, better than Leon. Yeah. That stretch isn't That stretch isn't happening right now. Struds. Does the color of the stick matter if it's the same brand? <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I, I painted the bottom of my stick black just to make it look more dangerous. So what do did I you do? really? Oh, <laughs> do you have any weird stick stuff? Oh, I did all the time. Why? I, I just, I don't know. I just did. More I don't dangerous. know why. Honestly, it gave me something to do before the games. I didn't get massages. I didn't smoke any darts. Like, I didn't know what to do before the game, so I had to look busy. And I can only stretch so much. So I'd paint from, like, you know, maybe five, six inches up, down. Right through the blade, and it looked great. Huh. I got to go through some old pictures of you playing, see if uh, see if we can it, pick that out. It had every single one of them had it. And hmm. I also I felt it was a little bit like when I slashed someone, it always felt like it was worse when it had a black tip. <laughs> the darkness and the evil. Brownie, are you sitting like a creep across from your neighbor's house parked? Uh, I'm creeping in my own driveway tonight, creeping out my own family. Some of the other neighbors, they were giving me the look, so I decided I better stay in my own driveway now. <laughs> All right, pal. We'll let you go. Thanks for hopping on on the drive Thanks, home. All right. See you guys.
All right, that is Rob Brown. And a reminder that Rob Brown's appearances on the podcast are brought to you by Kinprint, helping you find creative ways to promote your brand, high-quality apparel with top-of-the-line brands. Visit kinprint.ca. When we come back, uh, actually, we're not doing Strutty's World when we come back. We're going to take a lap when we come back, but still ahead, Strutty's World and Ask Us Anything as well. Lots more ahead on the pod. Winter is upon us, so why not make the best of it? Marmot Basin Ski Resort is where it's at. Ski half price every day, no blackout periods. Pick up your escape card for 99 bucks and make winter fun more affordable. Half the price, all the powder. Get yours at www.skimarmot.com. Okay, heroes, are you trying to tough it out through a sports or life injury right now? Trying to prove your mettle by grinding through, gritting your teeth? Well, Redefined Health is here to say it's time to come on in. At Redefined Health, they'll high-five you for your toughness and then get to work on helping you fix the problem. Helping athletes and heroes find better balance, performance, and injury prevention, visit RedefinedHealth.com. Are you ready to elevate your moving experience? Trusted for over 100 years, Ferguson Moving and Storage are your partners in relocation, ensuring your journey is smooth and stress-free. And say goodbye to surprises with Ferguson's transparent flat rate pricing. Contact them now for a free moving quote and use the promo code FERGUSON to receive $100 off your next move. Visit fergusonmoving.com and let them lift your expectations. Time to take a lap. Brought to you by Backscape. This product is taking the online world by storm right now. It's everywhere. Get rid of unwanted back hair by yourself with Backscape. Water-resistant rechargeable shaver coupled with the long handles lets you take care of business on your own. Right now is their biggest sale of the year. 30 to 50% off. Visit Backscape.com. That's B-A-K-Scape.com. And choose from a variety of packages delivered right to your door. Strutty, where are we going to go tonight as we take a lap, pal? Well, let's go back to an incident that happened a little while ago. We saw Minnesota and, uh, of course, Winnipeg, where Brandon Dillon uh, cross-checked Kriprasov or uh, Kaprizov. Kaprizov, and he, yep. he was he was out. He's out now for a little bit, and it uh, didn't look good. It ended up being a fight later on. But, uh, you know, then today, Cole Perfetti was talking with the media and talking about how after the game, uh, or sorry, during the game, Ryan Hartman of uh, Minnesota told him that on a face-off, he had intentionally lifted his stick and hit hit so, Perfetti in the face to get for it back. Those, yeah, for those who didn't see it, Struds, like it, it was Perfetti didn't start in the face-off circle. The, their center got That's waved right. out, so Perfetti came in up against That's Hartman, right. and Hartman like clearly made a play at the puck and then just reefed his stick up right yeah. into Perfetti's face. And then uh, the clip that you just talked, we have the clip, right? Did you pull that? Yeah, I think we got it. So let's hear what Perfetti had to say about Hartman talking to him about what he did and why. He said it in kind of a respectful way. Like, I mean, he said, no uh, no disrespect, no, nothing against you. Just, you know, it had to happen. Some, some, something had to happen against, you know, what, for, for what happened to Kaprizov there. I mean, he's obviously going to be out for a little bit. And, you know, I don't think Dilly was trying to hurt him. I think he's just playing heavy, and that's just you know that play happens. Like you know, he wasn't. I don't think trying to be a 
you know, a bad guy. I think he was just, you know, that's what he thought he needed to do to get back at us. Um, and that's what he chose to do. Um, you know, I was saying to a couple of guys, like, lucky it wasn't like a cheap shot hit or a, you know, from behind or to the head or something that could have been serious. Luckily, it was just a couple stitches. And, um, I mean, kind of a weird thing to come out and admit it that, you know, he uh, blatantly said that, you know, it was for what happened. Well, I didn't even do anything in the play. I had nothing to do with it. And, I mean, hey, whatever. It's all good. <laughs> There's a lot to unpack here. And to be clear on the first incident, Brendan Dillon two-handed Kirill Kaprizov twice, and the second one hurt him, and he's hurt now. And so Dylan, I think, got into a scrap. He answered the bell for what he did in the moment. Right. And here we are, the next meeting, Ryan Hartman, off of a face-off, sticks a guy in the face, and then tells him, yeah, that's because of what happened last game. What do you think of this, Struds? Where does this come in with the code? Um, I, to me, Perfetti, I don't think he understands it. He doesn't understand what's going on. He just, I'd be pissed if this happened to me because I watched yeah. the clip a number of times. It was intentional. Hartman was clearly intentional. He admitted it. We already know that. But he backed up as soon as Perfetti went. He backed up, wham, right in the face. But notice he didn't do it against Shifley. Didn't do it against Lowry, uh, a veteran guy who's big. Uh, he chose uh, a, a smaller kind of younger player to do it against. Um, I, I didn't like it at all. I thought it was, it, quite frankly, it's gutless to use your stick, uh, stand back and fight someone if you're really that upset about it. Um, and, and as you mentioned, Dylan already dealt with it. So, I mean, he did hit him in the head. You know, Perfetti said, well, it wasn't anything crazy. He, he, he hit you in the head with your stick. Well, and it was careless. Like, he could have easily been spitting teeth onto the ice. For could sure. have easily For got sure. him right across the front grill, yeah. and that yeah. would have been brutal. So uh, this does not fit in anywhere in the code. If Ryan Hartman felt there was still a score to be settled in some right. way, shape, or form, then challenge one of their skill players to fight or take a run at one of their skill players, you know, and make it an extra hard check and send that message or talk to the bench and whatever. There's a lot of things right. you can do that are within sure. the bounds of the code, Struddy, to send that message. Sticking a guy unsuspecting in the face off of a face-off yeah. is so far outside the bounds of whatever code exists. You know, give Hartman credit. He knew what he was doing, and he did it well. It only cost him five grand. I think he got his money's worth. Oh, 100% he did, but but pretty ridiculous. The funny thing is they were wearing microphones. Hartman had a microphone on that yeah. game. Um, and so somewhere that, that audio exists. I don't know if it'll ever come out, though. But uh, definitely an interesting moment. World Juniors for point number two. World Juniors. So four quarterfinals today. Sorry for Canada being oh, out. Oh, what a dagger, hey? What a that dagger. That was a hard one. They did everything right except oh. win the game, you know, especially in the third period. Come on. Um, they didn't do everything right. They got out I to the third, third period. They're all over them, I thought. Yeah. You can't go Unlucky down in an elimination game. You're going to run out of yeah. mojo. You're going to, you, you put to leave too much to chance. Yeah. Fair point. So disappointing outcome for sure. You win the last two gold medals, I think. And then this time you get nothing. You're sent home. Obviously, That's frustrating. Tough. But all the games are pretty tight. And then you move into the uh, Sweden-Swiss game, and it's a tight one as well. And with less than two minutes left, um, you know, the, the Swedish player kind of goes toward the net, and the Swiss player kind of pushes them. And then it looked like a spear, but it wasn't. He kind of just guided him off with his stick. And the ref, who I didn't really call much of the game I'd watched, the part I watched, all of a sudden his hands in the air, originally calls it a five-minute spearing. And then they reviewed it and got it down to two minutes for nothing. It is that social media exploded. It is that people are calling it the worst 
call they've ever seen in their life. And I'd agree, especially when you look at the, the rhythm, the tempo they've been making calls that prior to it. So the Swiss had to defend that for, for two minutes and then into overtime. They ultimately they lose, not because of that. But I, I just, you know, I, I fear, firmly believe referees have to have a sense of how they're refing and how the game's going. And that's not about managing the game. It's just a simply, shocker, a horrendous penalty that was called. Well, we see bad penalties. They happen. Refs make them. They're human beings. The part that's mind-numbing is when you get a second look at it. Right. When you go and review right. it, right? Now, often, right. they'll call the five because that's what's reviewable, right? If you call the five initially, then you can review it and you can downgrade it. Now, I believe, didn't we see in this tournament, it was downgraded to nothing. I mean, wasn't that a, right. a Team Canada uh, Canada game where that happened? So they, they had the option to actually cut it back to zero, I believe. Yeah. And well, after the shove, looking... The shove, I forget which game it was where he got hit from behind. I think it was a five. Yeah, it was the turn, became, the player turn. Then became a two. Yeah. And they changed it down. So, yeah, no, it, it is incredible. I, I don't know what he was looking at. It was It was nothing, absolutely nothing. At a critical moment... In an elimination game with the team that would be considered the underdog. Like, right. man, that was no good. They need to get that sorted out. There's no way you can review that and still make that call. That's the part of that that is totally mind numbing. Disappointing day for Team Canada at the World Juniors. Those kids go there. I've covered many of them. They pour their hearts out, they throw everything they have into this thing. You feel for them. I'm not a guy that cheers a lot, right? I, I cover these sports, so I don't do a ton of cheering. But I definitely feel empathy for these young players <laughs> when uh, when their dreams come crashing down like this. I've seen it many times. So uh, it was an interesting tournament for Canada. Lots of debate about whether they brought the right team or not, but a disappointing finish. All right, that was Taking a Lap, brought to you by our good friends over at Backscape. When we come back, very short break. Looking forward to Struddy's World. Stick around. Long Shots Golf is the destination for both golf enthusiasts and sports fans. Top-of-the-line TrackMan simulators provide a highly entertaining and accurate golf experience, while a full-service sports bar loaded with big screens and scratch kitchen make it a truly unique destination. They have locations in Sherwood Park in Edmonton. Experience the best indoor golf and sports bar in town. Visit longshots.ca. That's longshots with a z.ca. Time to talk about your mortgage? It doesn't have to be a daunting conversation. With over 16 years in the industry, Maria Gallus with Maximal Mortgages knows how to make it easy. With access to dozens of different lenders, let Maria customize the perfect solution for you. Whether you're purchasing, refinancing or renewing, or a first-time buyer, Maria's simplistic approach and expert advice will have you feeling confident you're in great hands making informed decisions. Take the stress out of your mortgage journey. Contact Maria Gallus at mortgagesbymaria.ca. That's mortgagesbymaria.ca. When you make a mistake, heads should roll. It's not right. And I'm here. Someone has to put their foot down. Now that I say it out loud, it does sound a little crazy. Guy look good. Okay. <laughs> 
All right, time now for Strutty's World, brought to you by DLR Vinyl Products. They've got locations in Calgary and in Edmonton. If you're a contracting business or a contractor yourself, let DLR help you add vinyl fence to your product line. See why they have been going strong since 2005. Reliable, unmatched service for their customers with high-quality North American-made products. Check out all they have to offer by visiting dlrvinylproducts.ca. Struds, where are we going tonight, my man? I have no idea. I didn't ask you ahead of time. I have no idea what's coming. I kind of like these surprise Struddy's worlds. Yeah, and I appreciate respect to my privacy in these uh, moments. So, you know, it's it's there's been a lot of praise about coffee and, and the new coaching staff for what they've done with the D. And the D have played very well. There's no doubt about it. All six are playing well. I mean, Darren A tonight played almost 18 minutes. Um, and he's killing penalties. Every, everyone's doing really well. But it's interesting. As I was watching the game, I was thinking to myself, we're starting to see a little bit of the high-risk play that we did under uh, the previous regime. And, and, and not that it was their fault, but previous to the coaching change, we're starting to see a little bit of it tonight. Um, you know, there was a couple times when uh, Bouchard was walking the line where it's just one extra move when the last guy back was really not worthy. Uh, I think it was the third period where um, it came to Cody Cece kind of at the top of his circles. And instead of just moving it up, the ice he tried to go d to d or i'm not sure what he exactly tried to do and i'm taking a penalty and those are moments of just understanding and managing the game let's just keep the puck moving up you're winning by whether it's one two or three goals at at that point the puck doesn't there, there's no magic you don't need magic you just need solid game management and then you know he kind of watched the game and after i'm like oh maybe i'm being too critical guess who brought it up the coach chris knoblock he talked about how there was just a little bit too much, um, I don't remember the word he used, but there's just a little bit too much um, high-risk play. I don't think that was his words, but I, I, to, to kind of get the point across, with the D as they're walking the line in the O zone. So, you know, it's funny, you kind of just catch something you haven't seen for a while. Now, so you see it, you're like, well, we got we to gotta bring this back. So I think that there'll be a conversation with, with Coffee, obviously, and the head coach, and just understanding game management to me is so important. It's a really hard skill to learn. But it's one that's so important that championship teams have. They understand that not every shift has to be a home run. And the Lord's having a great job with this. But for the first time in a long time, Shogger, I saw it creep back a little bit specifically in the D's game tonight. Yeah, I think that's a great point that you make. And I, I was thinking the same thing. Gregor is the one who asked post-game Knobloch about the giveaways, right? You ask your players to make plays. Be guys that aren't afraid to jump in and make plays. Have confidence. And the question he asked him, sometimes that doesn't go well. So how do you handle that, right? When's the right time to say something? When's the right time not to? And I thought Knobloch gave a really intelligent answer about, you know, you evaluate the situation. What was the player's intention? Was he trying something and it just didn't work out because someone made a good play? Or should he have never been trying it at all? How you handle these mistakes as they start to crop up that's the key because they're always going to be there. So definitely interesting that he mentioned it. He said, we'll address it and we'll get better in that area. So I think to your point, Struds, it's on the coach's radar and it definitely needs to get cleaned up a little bit because a team playing with a lead shouldn't get sloppy the way the Oilers did. No reason. And because Philly's just looking for a way back in. Um, and again, and not to put it all on the D-men, but it was just very, it, it just really stood out to me tonight. And what happens sometimes when you're really feeling good about yourself, you take that extra move or make that extra move that isn't there. And you don't need to. It can just be puck and be moved. I think oftentimes, you know, unless you're Conor McDavid or Leon, 
the best play is to move the puck quickly or move your feet and get in over the zone and, and, and play deep in their end and make those plays. Um, but, you know, Bouchard is incredible walking the line. And I'm, this isn't a criticism of him at all. But there's that one play tonight where I was like, oof. Even my son is sitting beside me. He's like, he should have just shot it, Dad. I'm like, yeah, just shoot it. Put mm-hmm. it to the net and see what happens tonight. Didn't Cody Cece even pass up a good shooting opportunity tonight at one point? I thought I remember thinking to myself, of all the people, like, shoot the puck, man. Yeah. Yeah, he does see. You know, he he was on it. I thought he had a couple pretty good chances. There. Yeah. He um, didn't do a spinorama, did he? Yes, he did. In, in, in Breaking out of the zone. And that, that was very spin-a-rama. smooth. Too. Yeah. That very smooth coming out. Um, and then, you know, it's also kind of interesting when you talk, of, again, about the, the, the goals against. Knobloch just say, no, we had a couple plays that were just players a little bit too casual coming back. And I, yeah. I would agree with that as well. Right? You're... Just you just you're skating all of a sudden you just kind of stand up tall. Oh, someone's not skating back hard. Yeah. There were a couple times too where it just it was very relaxed. It's guys weren't really like the regroup. And I know it's a regroup and some guys are changing, but it was just kind of like just looked like pond hockey for a couple of moments. And the D were kind yeah. of the ones setting that tone. It was like, get her going. Like, get her going. Yeah. yeah. Struddy, great value in that Struddy's world. That was one of the more analytical. Better points. <laughs> as much as I love talking about, you know, snowblowers and peanuts, sure. excellent job tonight on Struddy's World. And that was brought to you, Thank you by DLR Vinyl Products. All right, time to get you involved. We've got a real healthy conversation going on in the Weiss Johnson YouTube mentions. Ask Us Anything is brought to you by Match Eatery and Public House, your destination for all the sports action, big screens, ice cold beer, all your pub favorites, perfected Match Eatery, and Public House located adjacent to Rogers Arena in the Grand Villa Casino. For more information, check them out at matchpub.com. Steve Taylor at the controls in Kelowna has been keeping an eye on things. Steve, why don't you just start uh, ripping a bunch off? We'll get as many done as we can here in five or six minutes, and we'll wrap this thing up. Okay, uh, lots going on in the stream tonight. There's a whole variety of... Opinions and thoughts, everything from uh, defending Pat Quinn and his uh, tactical <laughs> prowess <laughs> to uh, your guys' uh, time in, in with the Blazers and, and everything in between. Uh, a lot of love for McDavid, obviously. So Boba Fett sums it up nicely and says, thank you, Bill Scott, for wearing your lucky socks on Lottery Day. How lucky are we to watch Connor McDavid dominate in this modern era? Yep, goes without saying. I mean, we asked players post-game. We said, like we say to Zach Hyman, like, what, what do you even say about those passes? It's just, it's, it's, we're still shaking our heads seeing new things. So it's just really, really, really good, really impressive. And it kind of, there's not really much to say about it. Indeed. Uh, Calvin C says, I'm hoping Pickard is in against Ottawa. So they have that proper ratio of games played between starter and backup. Thoughts on uh, who will play next? Well, they got two games, right? Ottawa and Chicago, their next two, I believe. Um, so really, either one. You can play him either one, but I would play him one or the other for sure. Uh, and that, man, is it Saturday night or what do they play next Tuesday? Yeah, they play Saturday and then they play on Tuesday. Saturday against yeah. Chicago, Tuesday against, or no, Saturday against Ottawa, Tuesday against Chicago. Sorry. You can make a case for either way. I don't know. I, If I had to pick, I'd probably play him Saturday night against Sens. They just got, they just lost tonight, Canucks. I'm guessing they, I guess they played the Flames between now and then. Let your starter play against Bedard. I don't know. I mean, it's one of the elite goal scorers in the game. I don't think I don't know that there's a wrong decision there. No, there is. I mean, isn't. for Skinner to get a week of rest, that's a weird bit of scheduling. You know, Skinner could get a week of rest here if he doesn't play that game on Saturday. 
Good. But it's also a week of work, right? It's a week of working and getting ready and preparing and refining your game. So I, I think we have to remember that's really important. And so it would be a mistake not to play Pickard in one or the other. To which one he plays, I, I really don't. I really don't care. Doesn't remember, matter. don't forget that Bedard beat Skinner with a pretty good shot there. And uh, Stewart had to stand there after yeah. the game. He was like, I know what you all want to ask me about, right? Yeah. I, I'd get him in there, give another shot against that guy, see if he can keep sure. him off the board. Yeah. Steve, keep it rolling, I, I, buddy. Either way. Shane Matheson is wondering, did the league use a new material for pucks this year? I've watched many games in different rinks, and the puck is like a basketball in the first period a lot. You guys noticed anything like that? I don't think so. Do they got that chip inside the puck now for all those, for that stats yeah. page I think they, they have? have? For a while, but... Yeah. yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I mean, the ice is different from rink to rink at times, and yeah. I, I don't know. I know. I remember they freeze them all. I, it's the same for everybody on both teams. Uh, some love for DeHarnay. DeHarnay was great tonight. Did an awesome job breaking up a two-on-one that changed into a one-on-one. That was a great play. Yeah, yeah. He's he's really making nice plays, and I, and I think that his his the work he put in the summer, his hands are better and more control, so he's finding the plays quicker because his head is up. Um, between, oh, sorry, who's this from? Uh, Mike Smith says, between Skinner elevating his game, Pickard being good enough, and Rodriguez showing promise, has the need for a three, a third line center, and or a depth forward leapfrogged the goalie need? Really good question. You know, in Ken Holland's head, he's looking at this situation going, all right, no need to do anything in the moment. The goaltending is stabilized. Stuart Skinner is stabilized, and Calvin Pickard has come in and done a good job with the time he's been given. That's a very different discussion than when you're at trade deadline looking at your goalies going, can I win a Stanley Cup with those guys? Right, Being able to stabilize through a fairly easy schedule during the regular season struts is a hell of a lot different. They still have to be thinking of an upgrade, I would assume. Yeah, you know, if I'm a team with an extra goalie, I'm feeling pretty good about myself because there are a ton of candidates out there looking for new goalies. Look at Toronto. Yeah. They just brought up uh, a 6'7 rookie to play while um, Samsonov's not even going to the minors. He's just going to work with their team there for a week. Uh, of uh, the team Because the team's going up to California. He's just going to be there just working with... By the way, to- do you yeah, think he- that they saw what happened with Campbell when he went down to the minors and played right away and was no yeah. good? And they went, okay, let's not let's get him down there, but let's get him comfortable with his surroundings and let him go through the three or four days of disappointment without a 4-1 loss strapped to his chest in the American League as well. Did they look at Campbell and make that decision because of that, do you think? They, they might have, yeah. I think that's part of it. But the other part is he plays in Toronto again. So there's nowhere to hide. You don't hide in Toronto. That is, he goes down there and he wins or he loses. That's front-page news for Maple Leafs fans, right? Good point. So... so but there's a ton of people that need goalies. So, you know, I think you really got to take a look what you have in these three guys. And I know fans don't want to hear that, but man, it's going to be tough. Kegel says, uh, speaking of a third line center, do you think Sean Monahan is an option the Oilers are looking at? I like him. Now, the one thing that I worry about with Sean is his speed. He doesn't have a ton of speed. So who does he put him with on the wings? What do you do? But the guy can shoot. He's smart. He can win draws. I think I'm pretty sure he's getting the face-offs the last time I looked. Um, Shogger, I, I just – the speed would be a concern. Yeah, I think you hit the nail on the head. I think the last thing you want to do heading into the trade deadline with an eye on going deep into the playoffs 
is slow yourselves down at a position that you're going to need to count on at playoff time. The game speeds up. It is fast. Uh, on the road, you're often out there against really high-skill, high-end, fast players. I think slowing yourself down is a mistake at trade deadline time. Kigil97 uh, says, the Sens almost came back against Vancouver. We shouldn't take them too lightly on Saturday. Thoughts on where the Sens are at despite uh, their recent record? It was 5 nothing, wasn't it? I think oh, at one was? point it was 5 nothing. Yeah, it was 5 nothing. Yeah, in the first came, period. What was it? Yeah. So yeah. just guess what happened to all the Canucks players. They they shift down right. from top gear to yeah. somewhere in the middle, idling. So I... I I don't know. Unless you actually come back all the way, I don't. I don't really believe in those uh, oh, good feelings that we came back. <laughs> Mike Smith says, "Smash that thumbs up." Least we could do for at Got Your Back Pod. Yeah, I think if we can, we would like to get people to Steve. pound on that love button. Pound, Sorry, what was <laughs> pound on that love button. Right. If if you don't mind, apparently that's good for our algorithm, whatever that is. <laughs> Keep going, Steve. What else we got? A couple more, and then we'll wrap it up. All right. A lot of talk about uh, Kane tonight. So yeah, Kegel ninety seven said uh, Vander seemed off tonight. Could it be because of his injury or because of his role in the third line now? And Reese said obviously Kane has to be irked to find himself in the third line, even if he's even if it's deserved. Do you think there's an opportunity there with Gagne coming back that Gagne's playmaking and Kane's finishing could give the Oilers a third? scoring line that they have not had in decades. Kanye and Kane together. Huh. What do you think, Struds? Um, well, who's the center? And what kind of speed does that guy have? <laughs> good good point. Good so question. I'll figure that out later. Yeah, that like every the problem is I feel like I'm often answering when it comes to the third line and fourth line, I'm answering a question with a question. Like there's really no area. So would I like to try? Sure. But then tell me who the center is. It's not Probably not Sam or or Kane. I think together they make it makes a lot of sense. But you need someone in the middle that can do it right. But listen, let's let's be guys. Thirty five games in the year, and nothing's ever finite. You're never you're, you, there's flows and ups and downs for both. I mean, a month ago Ryan McLeod was a guy everyone wanted to ship out. Now he's on fire and he's on the second line playing beside arguably the second most dangerous player in the league. Like it, things change, so it's going to change with Kane as well. Oh, for sure it will. And and by the way, even if he plays exactly like this for the rest of the regular season, it does not matter because Evander Kane's value starts game one sure. of the playoff struts. That right. is where that guy will pay off. You put up with whatever you need to, yeah. ups and downs, dips in his game, injuries, whatever. Game one through 82, he gives you what you give. He gives you that guy is tailor-made, power-built for the playoffs. So you'll be glad you have him no matter what his regular season looks like. Uh, Steve, what did you have on the Kamloops thing? Then we'll wrap up. Oh, I wish I could remember. There was a question about uh, Struddy. Were you on the team when someone took a, a bad slash under the visor? Chris Murray, yeah, okay. stick-swinging incident with Chris Murray. Were you on the team then, Struds? I don't remember that. No, I don't Yeah, I, I, I was watching. I lived in town and was a younger kid watching. I, yeah. I can't remember if I was at that game, but I definitely heard about it. But you must have heard stories about chris murray did you play with chris murray i played with him so tough oh we my god cup he was 19 i was 18 and he fought every single tough guy he fought three games in a row against the toughest guys kind of every league could put up and he beat them all i couldn't believe so it. and he was my roommate and i remember he'd say strutty do you mind going and get me some ice so i'd go get this big bucket of ice and he'd just clomp his hand down and his hand was I'm not kidding. It was swollen. It was swollen probably two, three times the size. And he'd be like, 
I'm like, are you okay? He's like, Strutty, I got it. I got it. And he kept doing it. It was the, one of the most heroic things I've ever seen done. He crawled over the penalty glass, penalty bench glass one night too. I know I was at that game. Yeah. I might have been like selling yeah. popcorn in the stands and he's crawling over the glass just wanting to murder somebody. Like that guy uh, was a he, – he went snap show sometimes and man he was he ever tough. All right, that was Ask Us Anything brought to you by Match Eatery and Public House. As always, thank you for all your contributions on the stream. We appreciate it. Lots of great conversation. I love the fact, Steve, that people are – it doesn't even involve us. People are mm -hmm. just straight up having conversations on there among themselves, yeah. our faithful listeners. <laughs> I love it too. It's great. It's hard. It's, it's distracting in a good way. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I find myself kind of following along a little yeah. bit like, oh, good point. You know, it's it's awesome. We love, we love the fan involvement that we got going we on do. the podcast so far this year. It's uh, one of our favorite segments to do. Uh, Strutty, let's wrap it up with our gem of the day. And by the way, if your company is looking to sponsor something on the pot, this segment's open. You know what? There it is. Got your back. Gem of the day. Uh, shoot us an email, gybpod at gmail.com. Strutty, what do we got going on tonight, man? What are you picking? I think I'm just going to go with Zach Hyman. And he's talking about uh, Connor McDavid and the things he does and how he just said, yeah, you know, I'm surprised, but I'm kind of used to it now. And uh, it's just, it must be so much fun, as he said, to play next to 97. Yeah. it's. Do we have that clip? Steve, did you pull that clip from Hyman on the pass that uh, McDavid made? Obviously, obviously, Zach, you know, works tremendously hard. And, you know, the puck kind of came down the wall, and I saw him go to the net and just tried to get it to him. And I thought that was the best way to get it to him. And, um, and he puts on a great move and um, scores a big goal. I thought that was the best way to get it to him. A no look behind the back pass through two defenders, four legs, tape to tape. Crazy. Unbelievable. Yeah, he's, he's, he is there. And the thing is, he's got, I think, still going to keep pushing the pace. 97. And uh, yeah, looking forward to this next game Saturday night. It's going to be a fun one. And uh, I believe we're going to drop a podcast before then. Uh, I think we're eyeballing Thursday night, but we'll let you know. Keep an eye on our uh, social media feeds, and we'll let you know when the next podcast is going to be. Thanks, Struts. Yeah. Thanks, Steve. Good job, guys. See you, guys. Good night, boys. Okie dokie. Big thanks to all of you who joined us on the live stream or if you're listening in podcast form. We really appreciate your subscriptions and your downloads. Hey, if you get a chance, hop over to iTunes and leave us a review. Let us know what you think or on YouTube. We want to know how you feel about the product that we're pushing out. We've got some great feedback from people over the last few days. We see it all. We make adjustments where we need to, where we think we can. Uh, but we really appreciate it. It's interactive, and that's why we love it. We'll see you in a couple of days, folks. Big thanks to Sherwood Buick GMC, our title sponsors.